to jump right into the scripture that's in Luke chapter 10, 25 through 28. So Luke 10, 25 through 28. And this is what it says. It says, one day an expert in the religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love the Lord, I mean love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. And so this passage of scripture is probably very familiar to any of us who have been in church long enough because in this passage of scripture it's often called the greatest commandment because here Jesus what I really love about what he does here is he takes all of the ten commandments all of the book of the law and he reduces it down to just two simple phrases like we don't have to try and memorize every single law we don't have to try and memorize every single commandment if we can just focus on these two Little phrases, we'll get it all covered, we'll be okay, we'll be fine. And that is to love God and to love others. And so this teacher of the religious law tried to test Jesus by asking him this question. And so he was asking him, How, what do we have to do to inherit eternal life? What do we have to do? And Jesus said, well, if you love God and if you love others you will have eternal life. You will live. And so it seems rather simple. Okay, just got to love God and love people. And it seems simple, but it's really complex, as we all know, because sometimes people are really hard to love. And sometimes it's hard to love a God we don't necessarily feel all the time, that we don't really know what he's doing sometimes. And so I want to focus on tonight on just that first part, that first command that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. I want to focus just on loving God tonight. And so we are called not to love God partially or just a part of ourselves. We are called to love him completely and fully with every part of our being, body, soul, mind. We are to love God. Not just with a part of our hearts, but with every aspect of our heart, we are to love God. But how can we love him with every part of us if we don't know him? See, the greatest command is to love God, but we can only love a God we know personally. Because it's hard to love somebody that you don't know. It's hard to love someone as deeply and intimately as you need to if you don't know them completely. And so the more we come to know God, the more you come to understand his character, his heart, his identity, the greater love you develop for him. So the more you come to know of him, the more you grow to love him in return. It's like in any relationship, you know, if you're married in the room or if you're dating in the room, whatever it may be, the more you get to know somebody, the greater your love becomes for them, right? Like, I just got married, like what? almost three months ago, and I love Jordan more now that I got to know him more than I did when we first met, because I've gotten these past three years to know him, and that's the whole point of dating, too. It's just, you know, you're taking that time to get to know each other, trying to 
learn as much as you can about each other. You're spending time with each other, trying to get to know each other. And as you know each other, you love each other more. And that's how it works with God as well. If we put forth the effort, we will grow to love him more. If we take the time to spend with him, we will develop a deeper understanding of who he is. And the more we know of him, the more we grow to love him more. I'm going to keep saying that. The more we know him, the more we love him. And so, if I am to love God, we need to know him personally. But like I said, this requires some effort. It requires some intentionality. If you're going to try and get to know somebody, you got to put forth some effort. And so, this is what it says in Jeremiah 29. 13 through 14. It says, And you will seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I'm going to stop there for now. And it says, So if we're going to know God, we need to become committed to seeking him. If we are going to know him, we have to put forth the effort to seek him in order to find him. As that effort required to know God is seeking. We are called in this verse to seek him and we will find him. For if we want to find God and to discover more of his character, more of his heart, if we want to get to know him on a deeper level, that requires seeking him. And so this Hebrew word here for seek, you can take that verse down now. Um, But that Hebrew word for seek here means literally to search out by any means, specifically in prayer or worship. So you're searching out for something. You know, you're trying to do whatever you can to find something. And so this is what it means to seek is we are trying to search for him. We're trying to look for him. We're trying to find more of him in prayer and through worship. Because we worship from an understanding of who we already know him to be. But worship can also become a way God reveals himself to us. So yes, we worship God because he's good, but God can also reveal more of his goodness to us when we worship. And the same thing when we pray. We're praying to our Father in heaven, and we know that he's our Father, but through prayer, he can also show us another aspect of himself. And so prayer and worship is another way that we can seek God. There are two ways we can seek God. They're not all the ways, but those are just two practical ways. And so, I love what verse 14 says. It says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And so, God promises to be found by us if we are committed to seeking him. If we take that step and that commitment and that decision to seek God, he promises that we will find him every single time. That he's not going to, like, have us go searching for him and he's going to play hide-and-seek with us and try and hide around the corner and try and deceive us. But if we genuinely search for him, we will find him. We will find his heart. We will find his grace. We will find his mercy. He will reveal himself to us if we just commit to seeking. And so sometimes in our life it feels as if God is hiding from us. It feels as if we cannot find him. It seems as if we cannot see him in our situation. But just because he may be hidden does not mean he cannot be found. 
For an example, I'm going to use the hide-and-seek illustration again. I used it a little bit early, but I'm going to use it again. So if you're playing a game of hide-and-seek, you know, people are hiding, and the whole purpose of the game is to be found. Like, you're not just going to hide and then hide forever. The whole point of the game is for somebody to go searching for you, to go looking for you until you're found. That's the whole point of the game, and that's the whole point of why sometimes God may seem hidden because he just wants us to search for him. He just wants us to look for him. He's only hidden for a brief moment so that we will become committed to seeking him. Because if he was just out in the open and exposed before us, we would no longer desire to have more of him. So when he's hidden, there's this hunger that stirs up within us that says, okay, I want more of God than what I already know right now. And so when he's hidden, we become committed to searching for him. We become committed for looking for him. And so just because he's hidden does not mean he can be found. It just means we have to become committed to looking for him. And once we begin looking for him, then we will find him, and he promises that we will find him every single time. And so, though we cannot see God physically with our eyes, he can be found. In fact, Scripture says there's no excuse for not knowing him, that we have no reason why we shouldn't know God. For in Romans 1.20, this is what it says. It says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky, And through everything God has made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. So that last part is pretty loud and clear, is that there is no excuse for not knowing God. Because he is prevalent in his creation as we can clearly see his invisible qualities through what he has made. For if you look at the created things of this earth, for an example, if you look at the trees, or flowers, or butterflies, or waterfalls, or you just get out in nature any, or if you look at the sky with all the sunrises and sunset and all this like majesty around us, it's impossible to look at it and not see God. Because it's through what he has made, it's through what he made in the beginning of just his voice that we can see who he is. That there are traces of him everywhere in everything if we just look hard enough, if we just look for it. As although we can't see God with our eyes, we can see creation. And God was brilliant enough to intertwine qualities of himself into creation so that we could see him so that we can find him, as we see God's invisible qualities through what we can see because he is that good of a creator to reveal himself to us. And so through what we can see with our eyes, we see God's power and we see his divine nature. As he has purposely and intentionally chosen to put his divine nature on display so we can clearly see him. He has intentionally revealed himself through creation so we can see him, so we can know him. We have no reason to not know him because he made himself visible to us through his creation.
and the beginning of the chapter goes as far to say that even wicked and sinful people know God. For if we have seen the earth, if we have seen the sky, we have seen God's nature. We have seen his power. So every single one of us, including those who may not know God, have seen God without realizing it. And so that's why no one is without excuse for not knowing God. Whether they believe in him is different, but there's aspects of who he is in every single thing we look at. And so God has intentionally and clearly revealed himself to us in ways we can see. For God has made his divine nature to us, and he reveals himself to us also through his son, Jesus. So first he reveals himself to us through creation, and now he reveals himself to us through his son. For this is what it says in Luke chapter 10, verse 22. It says, My Father has entrusted everything to me, and no one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And so the first part of that verse says that no one truly knows the Son except the Father. So this is Jesus speaking, of course, and he says that no one fully knew Jesus quite like the Father. Not even his disciples or the people that followed him or the crowds that followed him or his closest companion truly understood Jesus completely. As you'll see in several instances throughout the Gospels where Jesus was obviously misunderstood. Like his words were twisted. His intent was misunderstood. And many people failed to recognize who he was as the Son of God. And so no one truly knew him but the Father. And he was fully known and understood by God alone. And he knew this reality. That's why he said it in this scripture, because he understood that he would only be known by the Father. And it also goes on to say that no one knows the Father except the Son. So it's reversed, that no one knows God except the Son. So what's interesting here is that the Father and the Son exist in this kind of reciprocal relationship where they are fully known by each other. God is fully known by the Son. The Son is fully known by God. They fully know each other in this self-contained little relationship. And the last, I love what the last part of the verse says if you can put it back up there, Destiny, if you don't mind. It's Luke 10, 22. Okay, the last part of that verse, it says, No one truly knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So here's the beautiful part about that verse is, yes, there's this relationship where God and the Son know each other, but we're also invited into that relationship here in this verse. That just as much as the Son knows the Father, we can know the Father. That just as much as the Son knows God, we are permitted and invited to know God. And so, and it says we come to know God because Jesus reveals him to us. It says the Son chooses to reveal him. And so the Son reveals God to us. Through Jesus, we come to know God. And you can take that verse down, though. Thank you.
And so through creation and through the Son, we come to know God. And without Jesus, we would have no way of knowing the Father. Without him, we would not have an access point of coming to know God. And so the beautiful part is we get to enter into this reciprocal relationship which already exists between the Father and the Son. That just as God knows us, we can and should know him. But I also want to give this brief warning that, yes, we are called to know God, and am I encouraging you guys tonight to know God, to pursue him on a deeper level, but there is a limit to how much we can know of God. As our ability to understand is limited, as we are human beings in this room trying to grasp and understand an infinite, all-powerful God. And so there's a limit to how much our small little brains can be filled with information about something that big. And so we're never going to be able to understand him completely. We're never going to be able to find the end of who he is. We're never going to be able to sum up his whole character in a couple of books or a couple of phrases. Our humans' minds cannot fully comprehend the greatness and the vastness of God. It's impossible. For this is what it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. It says, Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. And so it says that all we know now is partial and incomplete. So our knowledge is partial and incomplete. What we see now is imperfect. As though we can know God and we are called to know God, we will only know him partially here in this life. Though he makes himself known to us, we cannot know him completely. And though we are called to seek him and find more of him, we will only find pieces of him. We will never become experts on God. We will never, ever be able to say, I have God figured out. For our knowledge of him will only ever be partial. For theologians have been studying God and his attributes and his character for centuries now. And all the books and all the textbooks and all the sermons cannot sum up who he is. For he is far bigger and greater than that. It's only a small part of the grand scheme of his identity. What we know in this life is only a small part of the whole sum of who he is. For he is beyond our comprehension. He is beyond our mind's ability to fully understand, which is exactly why we should praise him and worship him, because I personally do not want to serve a God that I can understand. I don't want to serve a God who's small enough for me to figure out and for me to say, oh, I know everything there is to know about you. I don't want to serve a God who is that small and that minute, but I want to serve a God who is beyond my comprehension. I want to serve a God who is far greater and far better and far kinder and far more loving than anything I will ever know here in this life. I want to know and worship a God who extends outside of my limited capacity for understanding. And that's the God we do worship, and that's the God we do praise, that though we get to know him in part, he is so much bigger and so much fuller and so much better and kinder than what we could ever realize and think or imagine. 
And so we already know that God's good. We already have some understanding of who he is. We already know that he is love, but there is only a fragment of who he actually is. So take what you already know God to be, what he's already showed you to be, what you already know about his heart, and just imagine how much better he is completely. How much better he will be when we get to know him fully. Take what you already know about him and his goodness and multiply it by 10 million, and that's who he is. And that's who he exists as in heaven right now. And so though we can only know God partially, we still have this inexpressible love and joy and peace that comes from him. And there is coming a time when we get to know God completely. Is that verse in 1 Corinthians 13 says that there is coming a time when we will get to know God completely. There is coming a day when we get to see God in all of his glory with perfect clarity. And when we enter into heaven, then we will get to know God fully. Then our knowledge will be made complete. And all the pieces that we spent our life searching and finding and discovering will come together into this beautiful image of the fullness of God. So right now, we're just looking for pieces. We're searching for pieces of this massive puzzle that makes up God. And in the end, when we're finally in heaven, all those pieces will finally come together in his glory. And on that day, we will finally meet the Father we spent our whole lives seeking and pursuing. And we will stand before the one we devoted our life to discovering. And the beautiful part is the same God that we get to know now as the same God who is in eternity is the same God that will be with us forever. For the same God we know now is a God we will know fully in eternity. As he is not strange or unfamiliar to us, but we see his invisible qualities all around us. Jesus has revealed him to us, and God has made himself known to us. Even though he is beyond our comprehension at the moment, There are certain aspects of who he is that we will only discover in heaven. But that means while we're here on this earth, we should never stop seeking. That we should always try to expand our knowledge of who he is. That we should always be reading his word, trying to find new attributes to who he is. That we should be praying, trying to discover his heart. That we should be worshiping, just trying to get another revelation of who he is. That while we're here on this earth, there's always more to discover. There's always more to understand, and our goal in life should be just to know him. To try to know him as best as we can, as much as we are able to while we're here on this earth. Because there's always more of God to find, because we will never reach a place where we haven't figured out. As right now, we just keep seeking pieces of him. Pieces of him that we can know, pieces of him that... He has revealed to us and given to us to try and get a clear image of who he is. And it's also amazing to think that God chose to reveal himself to us in ways that we can understand. To uh, ways in which our minds can handle that this mighty, powerful, wonderful God who is beyond our comprehension took the time to reduce pieces of himself into bite-sized bits for which our minds can contain. Like, that's amazing that this God wants to be known by us, that he would take the time to reveal himself to us, that we get this amazing privilege of knowing him, 
we get this amazing privilege of discovering him and knowing his heart. And we can know the Father just as the Son does. And it may only be in part right now, but one day it will be completely. And so the other half of this is, is in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, I just read, it said that God knows us completely. That says one day we will know God completely just as God knows us completely. So God already knows us completely and fully right now at this moment. So though we can't know him fully right now, he knows us fully right now. He knows every little detail about us, every little thing about us. And we need to reach this same understanding that Jesus had, that no one truly knows us except our Heavenly Father. I know that sounds harsh, but we need to reach this reality that no one including our spouses, including our parents, including our family, those closest to us, truly will ever know us quite like God knows us. As yes, people will know us in part, but only God can know us fully and completely. As it's a desire for every single one of us in our hearts to be known by someone, but that that desire can only be satisfied in Christ, in God. He's the only one who can know us completely. As in this life, we will experience plenty of misunderstandings with people. We will have plenty of instances in which people don't understand our motives, our actions, what we said. They misinterpreted our words. We'll have to explain our behaviors and thoughts to people. But God already knows us. We don't need to explain ourselves to him. There is no misunderstanding with him. As God knows us fully, and there's nothing hidden before him. This is what it says in Hebrews 4.13. It says, Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the home, the one to whom we are accountable. So nothing in all of creation is hidden from God. As we may be able to conceal certain areas of our lives from others, we may be able to put on an appearance and a good front and a happy smile before people, but God sees right through the facade. He sees right through the mask. He sees right through whatever we try to make people believe that we are because everything is laid bare before him. He sees everything we so desperately try to hide, and it's all exposed before his eyes, and he knows every little detail about us. This is what it says in Psalms 139, 1 through 4. It says, O oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do, and you know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. And so that's quite extensive, his knowledge of us, that he knows us every little thing we do. He knows everything about us. He knows the thoughts that no one else has access to. He knows what we are thinking before we even think it. And he knows everything we do, even the things that nobody else knows about that we haven't shared with anybody else. He knows every single word that we have said and knows what we are going to say. So we can immediately say that no one knows us quite like that. No one knows our thoughts quite like that. No one knows our actions quite like that. And so only God truly knows us fully and completely. 
And this truth may seem a little scary, may seem a little intimidating to know this big God knows our thoughts and knows our words and knows our actions, but it's something to rejoice in. We walk in close relationship with a God who truly knows us and understands us like no one else on this earth. That he knows even the darkest details of our lives and yet he still delights in us and he still loves us and he still wants to be known by us. As we are fully known, as we are maybe a master of concealing our shortcomings before others, but nothing is concealed before God. And we don't have to worry about concealing ourselves before God. We can come to him just as we are in our brokenness, in our hurt, in our pain, whatever it may be, because he already knows us and he understands. And we don't have to worry about trying to explain because he already knows. So we can come before him just as his son, just as his daughter, just as Jesus did. Because we enter into this reciprocal relationship where we know God and he knows us. And in order to fully love God, it matters how we identify him. As this is Matthew 16, 13 through 18. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. And so it's important as followers of Lord Jesus Christ that we are able to answer, who do you say I am? For Jesus asked his disciples this, who do you say I am? And if I were to come to each and every single one of you and ask, who do you say God is? Would you be able to answer? Would you be able to respond? What would your response be? For it matters how we identify God and it matters that we identify him correctly. And it matters that we have a true and accurate understanding of who he is. Because some of the people in this time said that Jesus was John the Baptist or that he was Elijah. That's who they thought he was, but they were wrong. He was the son of God. And so, yes, we need to know him, but we need to know who he is rightly. We need to turn to the world, not the word, the word. We need to turn to the word and discover who he is correctly, not the world. For what the world says about God and what the world says about the Son and what the world says about Scripture is completely different than what is the actual truth. For it matters what, it matters who we say God is. As he's not interested in what society says or what culture says, he's only interested in what we say personally that he is. For he wants us to know him individually and personally. For who we say God is matters, and we must each know him personally. It's an individual question that you are responsible for answering yourself. Is we must have a personal discovery of who he is. As it says, that last verse says that Simon was blessed because the Father in heaven revealed that truth to him. No human being was able to teach him that. And so the truth is, is we can't learn who God is from any human being. 
is yes, our parents can know God, our pastors can know God, and they can share with us what they have discovered. But the reality is, is you need to have a personal revelation of who God is. That God needs to personally speak to you and reveal himself to you personally. You can't go through a person, you can't go through another human being, but you have to go to God himself and discover who he is and seek him for yourself. We must be able to correctly identify Jesus for ourselves. We cannot learn from any human being. And so I'm getting ready to wrap up if the worship team wants to go ahead and come up. So in order for us to inherit eternal life and to fulfill this greatest commandment that I mentioned to love God, each of us need to commit to seeking him. Each of us need to commit to searching for what we can know about him. And this call is for every single one of us to commit to seeking him, to discovering as much as we can about God. And the call is for each of us to know God on a personal level, to devote our own lives to seeking him, to develop a deeper love for him. And so we need to enter into this reciprocal relationship that the Father and the Son share, where we know God and he knows us. And so God is a puzzle that we will never solve, but we can enjoy the pieces that he does reveal to us until the day that we can know him fully. And so if everybody would just stand across this place. So as I mentioned, the whole point of this message tonight is that we would commit to seeking God, that we would commit ourselves and devote our lives to trying to know as much of God as we can. And so maybe if you're watching on the live stream tonight and you don't know God, well, tonight is that perfect opportunity for you to come and know him. So if you're willing to make that commitment and that decision, you can either come to the altar and pray and worship, or you can stay at your seat if you feel more comfortable doing that and just pray and worship there. But ultimately, we can also worship God for this great and mighty that he is to us. So let's make that commitment tonight to seek God with all that we have so that we can know him and love him. Who am I that the highest king will welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in his love for me. In his love for me. Die for me. Yes, he died. 
Yes, sir. 